0: going to read um, Acts chapter 2 and uh, if you were here last time you know that I've sort of started a series uh, called God's Great Gifts and uh, there are three in this series so obviously I'm focusing on three great gifts of God and we'll see it in this passage Um, so I'm just going to read and hopefully it'll come up here, Kath will put it up here, Acts chapter 2 verses 1. To 41 when the day of pentecost arrived they were all together in one place suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind and it filled the entire house where they were sitting and divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them and they were all filled with the holy spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the spirit gave them utterance now they were dwelling in jerusalem Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians, and we hear them telling their our own tongues the mighty works of God. And all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, What does this mean? But others, mocking, said, They are all filled with new wine. But Peter standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice and addressed them, men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give ear to my words. For these people are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only the third hour of the day. But this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. And in the last days it shall be, God declares, that I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh, and your sons and daughters shall prophesy And said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. And with many other words, he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, Save yourselves from this crooked generation. So those who received his word were baptized, and there were added that day about three thousand souls. Well what are God's Oh doesn't pick up there? Hang on. What are God's great gifts? Uh, well, Peter said to them on the day of Pentecost, repent and be baptized, every one of you. Is that, is that picking it up? Oh, okay. I'm getting signals now. Now I'm getting better. Okay, repent and be baptized, every one of you. Is that all right? Uh, and what were they for? For the forgiveness of sins. That's a gift of God, and I hope I explained that last time I was uh, talking about this passage. And you'll receive also the gift of the Holy Spirit. That's what I want to talk about next time when I have the opportunity. But today I want to talk about another very important gift that God gives. And that is the knowledge of the gospel. Uh, We often see forgiveness of sins and God sends his Holy Spirit in the sermons and the speeches in Acts and other places. But often it's assumed that people, as they understand who God is, that they come to that knowledge. And we'll find it here in verse 36. Um, Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ. And this knowledge is not just a sort of mere uh, collecting of facts. Uh, It's actually knowing the person. It's actually personal. And uh, God promises that he'll be with us uh, even to the end of the age. As Jesus, uh, before he arose, said that to his disciples. Now this is really a big uh, aspect of um, what God desires for everyone. He wants everyone to know of him and about him and know him personally. Let me just quote a few references from the Old and the New Testament just to give you a picture this is what God really desires. This is part of God's plan. Uh, here in Isaiah, who lived eight centuries before the coming of Jesus, said this They shall not hurt or destroy in my holy mountain, for the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. And uh, later he goes on, Isaiah goes on and he said, uh, Thus says the Lord who who created the heavens, he is God. Who formed the earth and made it? He established it. He did not create it empty, he formed it to be inhabited. I am the Lord, there is no other. I did not speak in secret in the land of darkness. I did not say to the offspring of Jacob, seek me in vain. I, the Lord, speak the truth. I declare what is right. Isaiah's writing that God, God's word is the truth and God has declared it. And that's how we, that's why it is a gift. God is giving it to us, his knowledge. In the New Testament, uh, there are many passages, just a few, 2 Corinthians 2. But thanks be to God, who in Christ always leads us in a triumphal procession, procession. And through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of him everywhere. Christians come to know and they want others to know too. You see, that's what Paul's writing about. goes on later in chapter 4. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. And Ephesians 4 talks about what God desires, that we all grow And we all attain the unity of the faith of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure and stature of the fullness of Christ. And then Paul writes to Timothy, uh, just what I I mentioned there in the prayers, uh, in 1 Timothy chapter 2. First of all, I urge that supplications, prayers and intercessions and thanksgivings be made for all people, that's good and pleasing in the sight of God, who desires all people to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. And it's just not mere knowledge, but it's knowledge of the truth and that truth does change us. It's a knowledge of God and who he is and what he's done and what he's doing and connecting to him. And many people today may hear or understand something of God, uh, whether they believe it or not, uh, but for various reasons stopped from understanding fully the gospel. And maybe the gospel is not fully explained. Maybe it's not fully comprehended. But there are several important aspects to understanding the gospel. And in Acts chapter 2, we see them. The gospel is being explained through Peter's uh, speech. As God had poured out the Spirit into the lives of those disciples, the gift of the Holy Spirit is evidence. And Peter explains this is part of God's plan so we can understand and respond. And so I, I take it there's two aspects. Let me, let me elaborate on those. Um, one is to understand what is true and to make sense of what is true in, the, in, in living in our lives, in living in the world around us. In a way, that understanding that truth, we develop a view of how it all fits together. That's what uh, people call a worldview, and everyone has a worldview, whether you're an atheist or an agnostic or a Buddhist or a, a, a Hindu, Muslim, whatever. You have a worldview. You have a view of how things fit together. What is the Christian worldview? What is the truth contained in the Christian worldview? And the second thing about this knowing, and I'd call it salvation knowing, knowing the gospel, is that it's inviting. It's actually calling for our response, and God wants us to respond uh, to his love. And so here we go. How do we know? How do we know? If anything's true, Um, there are ways you can seek it out, you can search for it, and there are ways you can test for it. Uh, To know something is true requires a person to see and accept it against all the other possibilities. And when we're dealing with something we don't understand, uh, there is a process, whether we recognize it or not, to establish that truth. And that's the sort of challenge that faces us every day in our lives, uh, in, the, in, the, in just doing the mundane things in life or in the very, trying to understand some very deep things. And, uh, for example, we all go shopping. Um, when you go shopping, you find out what something costs. And um, sometimes they advertise... You know, this is an unbelievable price. What are they saying when it's an unbelievable price? Well, they're not saying you shouldn't believe that that's the cost that it'll cost you when you buy it. But what they're saying is you won't find any price that's lower than this. It's unbelievably low. Hopefully it's not unbelievably high. Uh, And when someone quotes you uh, double the price that you know that you can buy something else, what will you think? You'll probably say, mm, uh, why, why should I buy that at double the price? But then, if uh, you've got some sales guy there, they'll probably say, well, this is worth um, uh, th- This is worth it. This is the quality that you, you'll get when you buy this, even though it's double the price. And uh, they'll say, well, the manufacturing standard is far, far higher, and the workmanship and the materials are, are double what you... Pay for, for those imitations, uh, and if you do buy this product, uh, it will last. Whereas you could buy one of those other ones at half the price, it'll die just after the warranty period runs out, and so then you'll you'll pay double the price anyway. Of course, then you have to make an assessment whether what that person is saying is true. Is this is this really quality material, and how do you do that? Well, you'll do it in a way, and perhaps you won't recognise these tests, but you'll test the truth. Is this person reliable? Are they speaking with a forked tongue? (laughs) Uh, So that's what you do. But when it comes to the deeper matters, spiritual matters, many people, I believe, try nicely to agree, but don't really know. Uh, It's a a bit like they've got this tagline that was in that... uh, science fiction show called the x-files whether you know of that but two fbi investigators fox Mulder, uh dana scully they're always seeking to find out the truth about this, these things that happened and never quite understanding there's always this tagline the truth is out there somewhere and that's what people will probably say when you start to talk about god or about jesus yeah the truth's out there somewhere but we don't know and uh, some people will say well there can't be any sort of truth you've got your truth i've got my truth there can't be any sort of absolute truth but actually if they're going to hold to that they're actually stating an absolute aren't they (laughs) so the argument's a bit defeated and of course we understand what it means to establish the truth when we look at the law courts when we look at people seeking justice for some some injustice. And that's what they do in the courtroom. They try to establish what the truth is, even though the person may swear, black and blue, that they didn't do it. Often it will come out that this person did. And uh, so they try to establish the truth, and the words are, beyond reasonable doubt. And the burden of proof needs to be put together. And Often, if you've got some reliable witnesses, more than one, perhaps two, maybe three, then that will be helpful to establish the truth. And uh, truth is something that we can understand, that even if everyone says, no, they deny it, it's still true. Even if everyone affirms that um, that's true and it's actually a lie, well, it's still a lie. So there are actually three recognised tests by those who study um, how you get to know something. And these are widely recognised, these three uh, tests. One is called correspondence, another is coherence and the other is personal relevance. Truth must correspond uh, with the evidence that we see and we accept that it corresponds with that. Um, evidences need correspondence. Uh, for example, uh, I'm, a, I'm a son of a person whose name was Alwyn Raymond Finster. And uh, like perhaps uh, some kids, they grow up and they think, well, am I really the son of those parents? I, I think I could have been adopted, you know. And uh, was there any corresponding truth to that uh, thought? Uh, that I was a bit different uh, and I wanted to perhaps think that that might be a possibility for me, you know? I could have been adopted. But, you know, over the years, uh, it came very evident, very clear to me that I was indeed the son of Alwyn Raymond Finster. Uh, In fact, one time I picked up the phone and I said, am I talking to myself here? I'm hearing myself talk to me. (laughs) He sounds just like me, or... I sound just like him. Um, that is indeed uh, correspondence. But then there's coherence, and that is tying together uh, truths that we understand are right and true. We must, um, we must see that these things all cohere, they stick together. Um, you know, these days we have a thing called fake news. Of course, uh, it sounds so believable. We have uh, lobby groups that want to push some agendas and all the time we're looking for, is this actually true? Is, is this right? Is this the way we should think about things? Yeah, let me so again, cite so an example. Um, way back when I was going to school, uh, in year eight, uh, the teacher there uh, started to talk about um, spiritual matters talked about spiritual powers and referencing spirits because she had been in seances. And to a year eight kid back uh, uh, living in Bendigo, I had not a clue about this sort of stuff. And so what was I to do with that information that this teacher in the high school was telling me about? Uh, She was so fascinated about seances. And all I could do was, I don't know... uh, and can I know? Of course, now, uh, having become a Christian and reading the Bible, I understand much more about the spiritual world beyond this world that we see. That broad picture of life, that worldview informs me and I understand and my views um, cohere, give me enough information to say that's true and that's right. And so that's, uh, that's the test of coherence. Is it logically consistent? One of the most fascinating things about the Bible is that literally thousands of testable historical prophecies, prophecies that were spoken of hundreds of years before, clearly foretold, and then we see the fulfillment. And that's what was witnessing, that's what was witnessed on the day of Pentecost. The very dimension of the sheer fulfillment of prophecy of the Old Testament scriptures is indeed a a coherent matter. And when you uh, begin to examine world religions, for example, Judaism, Hinduism, Buddhism, you'll immediately recognize that they can't all be true. Uh, They are in direct contradiction to each other. There's no coherence. And some will say, like... uh, one mayor of a particular place where I live said, oh, all roads lead up the mountain and all roads lead to God. So that's that's good for me. I believe that. But if you examine Christianity, you cannot hold to that. Jesus said, I am the way, the only way and the truth and the life. There's no other name under heaven given to men by which men shall be saved. So you cannot have uh, Hinduism or Buddhism... Uh, Uh, Hindus and Krishna believe in many gods. Christianity says there is one god, three persons. Buddha was an agnostic. Logically, they can all be wrong, but they can't all be right. And so that's the coherence test. Then there's the personal relevance. And people may get that correspondence, they may get that coherence, but they still don't take the step to accept it personally. And God calls us to do that, to see the correspondence, to see the coherence, and then the uh, the the thing is that it should change us. And this is what happened on the day of Pentecost. So let's examine uh, the evidences as Peter gave to the to the people. And first of all, you know, when they come running out and they hear all the uh, the, the people speaking that loud noise and the people praising god in their various languages um they were really asking but what's the truth about this it's hard to uh, grab that scene but that's really what they're asking the holy spirit filled this group of men maybe 120 and they're speaking uh, the various mother tongues of the people that have come from various parts about 15 nations they say there, were listed by Luke in Acts 2. And this this was actually the signs of God working out his purposes. And Peter then spoke up to explain it. And then thirdly, what we see is a change of heart. They were cut to the heart. They were cut deep inside. And they said, what should we do? And of course, then Peter explained what they should do. But it was challenging. These were devout says. In other words, they were very uh, set on following the tenets of their beliefs. They were Jews. They held to Judaism. Uh, they followed the, uh, what God had revealed through the Old Testament. But you notice in these words, uh, they were perplexed. They were amazed. They were confused. They were bewildered. They were accusing others of being drunk. And uh, they wanted to...